0: Welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. How, how does your faith kind of play into it, or does it play into it? What can be done about it? When I say the church, I'm talking about uh, evangelical white Christians and the black folk who attend their churches. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Thrive Podcast with the Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. This is the second uh, interview Thrive Podcast for the year of our Lord. 2020, and we are grateful for your viewership on YouTube, your listenership on iTunes and Spotify. Uh, As always, we want to hear from you. Uh, You can reach me directly at Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net, Fred Jeff Smith at Cox.net, and you can tell us how we're doing, what we can do to make this podcast. more useful and user-friendly to you. I'm very happy today to welcome as uh, our guest here, Mr. Antoine Pierce. Uh, Mr. Pierce is a... An activist within our community. He is an actor within our community. He is a mentor for young men within our community. And most recently, uh, he has uh, announced his candidacy for the United States Senate uh, in the election against uh, Senator Bill Cassidy, which is upcoming in November of 2020. Mr. Pierce, thank you for taking the time to come and be with us today here, at Shiloh.
1: Well, thank you for having me. It's certainly a pleasure to be here.
0: Tell us, who is Antoine Pierce? I understand that 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 you're one of seven children and and a native of Baton Rouge tell us about I am. Antoine Pierce
1: That's right uh, I, I am one of seven children uh very big family grew up right here in Baton Rouge we moved around a lot uh but I, I uh, graduated from Struma High School uh very proud that dirty um, <laughs> class of 1999 okay uh very proud uh Strumer graduate uh and I went on. I went to LSU and graduated from there in child and family studies. Got a bachelor of science, and now I'm getting ready to graduate uh, this year with my master's in public administration with a concentration in public policy. Um, but. Uh, more than that, I'm, I'm just—I'm a father. Uh, I have a, I have a son, a teenager. So uh, pray for me. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I mean—I
0: have and, too. I understand.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, but not only that, um, I've done a lot of community active uh, advocacy work. Uh, I worked on Mayor Sharon Weston Broome's transition team for the Office of Community Development, mm-hmm. uh, and now I currently serve on Governor John Bell Edwards' board for um, <clears throat> Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of kind of behind-the-scenes work, right. uh, policy work, uh, m- more things that, that kind of focus on taking care of children, taking care of uh, the working poor, uh, taking care of the middle class, which seems to be a forgotten type of uh, f- forgotten people uh, in, our, in our society. So a lot of the work and the policy work that I'm, I'm doing uh, is more centered on helping people that think that their voices have been unheard.
0: Well. You, you use the term working behind the scenes, which, which yeah. it sounds like you've done a lot of. What made you decide that you were going to come out from behind the scenes and that you were going uh, to move into the center stage, as you will, uh, and and place your name in uh Competition against uh, Bill Cassidy for the United States Senate.
1: Well, I think what happens is a lot of times we can we can advocate for these policies, we can mm-hmm. push for these policies, we can protest, we can march, um, we can we can do what I call screaming into a void. We can do that, but if you don't have the people in place that will implement the policies, mm-hmm. that will put these policies in place, that will try to get them passed, then. You just have a a piece of paper, pretty Mm much. Um, Now, of course, activism works, um, but I think you have to have those people that support what it is that you're trying to do sitting in those seats of of power to make to affect the change. Mm -hmm. So I've decided to to take the policy knowledge that I have and to try to get into a place where I can affect change with it, where Mm -hmm. I can try and advocate for it so that I mean in that seat and try to get it implemented and passed into policy so that people have to respect it as law.
0: So you chose the Senate, the United States Senate, not the state Senate, not 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 the state House of Representatives. You chose the Senate. Is, is there a rationale for that being the choice of your candidacy as opposed to uh, other offices?
1: Yes, um, I think that right now. There's an extreme deficit in the United States Senate. Uh, currently, uh, Democrats hold the majority in the House. Right. Um, I mean, I was on my way here. I was listening to uh, the talk surrounding the impeachment proceedings and things like that. But right now, the Republicans hold the majority in the United States Senate, and they are ignoring the American people. Mm-hmm. They are no- ignoring the voices of the American people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are lockstep with the president, regardless of his, uh, his uh, corruption and immorality in, in the office, uh, the standard is, is so low. So I decided that, um, really, I decided around 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. that I would challenge Bill Cassidy because I confronted him here at a town hall that he hosted at, uh, at another church, uh, and he was there. Asking, talking about the flooding at the time, mm-hmm. um, and people were still begging for, for help, for recovery. And um, the people in the audience began to ask him about health care, because this was right before uh, the repeal vote for the ACA. You know, the Republicans got in, which is another thing, but the Republicans got in office, and right. immediately their first goal was to strip millions upon millions of Americans from their health care. Right. So he came, and I think this was probably one of the last town halls he did, because when he got there, people started asking him, look, what are you going to do about health care? He did not want to have this conversation for obvious reasons. Right. His plan all along was to vote to repeal it without a replacement. Right. So I confronted him and I said, listen, what you're going to do is going to hurt your, the people that you said you're going to work for. Right. You know, and uh, I decided at that point that he wasn't listening and we needed somebody who, who was in touch with the people and that was willing to listen. Mm-hmm. So I was going to challenge him. And that's what we've been working towards up until this point. Okay.
0: So, let me ask you certain pragmatic questions i, I and and i don 't mean to be indelicate or insensitive you're a young African American man running in a blood red uh, state like Louisiana where uh, it is it is difficult to generate support from poor white people for an African American male. What is it that you are going to present? in the small communities throughout this state uh, that will cause white folk to to stop, take notice, and say, maybe I can vote for him?
1: I think there's something purifying about the truth, um, and that's what I'm going to give to them. Sometimes uh, we write them off as Uh, being incapable of seeing past their own bias or seeing past what we may deem to be their racist ideas Mm -hmm. to see the truth. But I think if you tell them enough, if you show them how these policies are directly affecting them, I know that we can change some minds. Now, I don't think we can change all minds, but my motivation is to you know plant some seeds right um and i and we have to start somewhere so my question isn't i mean for me you know my introspection for myself is why not try mm-hmm. uh we certainly of course our aim is to win this election right but we don't have anything to lose by going out there and trying to change some minds and mm-hmm. let people see the truth let people know what's really at stake. Mm-hmm. Um, white, black, or otherwise, let them know what's really at stake and how these policies are directly impacting their lives, how this is coming out of your paycheck, how you're straining to, to get uh, health care, how your Social Security and your Medicare and your Medicaid are going to be cut if this person stays in office. So these types of things I think directly impact the person. It's not these high-level policy uh, issues. This is kitchen table conversation, mm-hmm. and that's what we're bringing across the state, and that's what we've been doing for the past few years. It's talking to, and we're not, we're 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 going in place in in deep conservative pockets and talking to people about how their health care will be stripped away, and most of them already know how they're rationing uh, prescription medications and things like that. So we We're going in with the goal of 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 truth, bringing truth to people, yeah. and we would let the chips fall where they may I'm not
0: suggesting that these people are in any way stupid uh, or or even ignorant. I think that they are very much aware of the things that are going on, but this wave of conservatism that is that that is being led by Poor white people, not just in this state, but across this country, uh, tells me that in spite of the truth, people will vote against their best interest believing the lies that uh, the conservative Republican Party uh, in the person of of President Trump uh, put before them. Uh, Do they really believe that a wall is being built on the Mexican border? Do they really believe that... uh, uh, Joe Biden's family uh, is responsible for corruption uh, uh, with regard to uh, political activities that are taking place within this country. I don't think that they're crazy, I, 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 and I I don't care how much Fox News you watch. You can't be oblivious to to the facts. I just believe that they decide to vote against their best interest because they're driven by something else, and 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 the something else that I see them being driven by is racism. The you, the, the term that that you used earlier I think is is, is a very good term whitelash you know uh, uh this this is a response to eight years of of the barack obama presidency uh that for some people uh carried this country too far in a particular direction and they're ready for the pendulum to swing back you know what though i i honestly don't believe
1: that well, let me let me rephrase it. I think people can be oblivious to the truth. I I, I do. I think that, and and not just white folks. All of us mm-hmm. are subjected to this. Uh, a lot of times, we only accept the ideas that match our own confirmation bias. Mm-hmm. We only uh, we only watch certain news channels that we think. Uh, uh align with our viewpoints mm-hmm. and we'll never listen to fox we'll never really read a conservative outlet mm-hmm. uh we'll never follow conservative news because to us that's repulsive uh it how can anyone and there are people on the other side that do the same thing. Mm-hmm. So all they cons- all they consume is Hannity. All they consume is is uh, uh, Tucker Carlson and Laura Ingram. Right. And they-, they listen to a lot of Limbaugh on the radio. And right. that's, all they- that's their frame of reference because yeah. that's what they want to believe. But somehow when you're subjected to a different fact, even if you reject it, it plants a seed. So now you go back and you look and you say, well, let me compare these things. F- so for us, our motivation is planting seeds. It's getting out there and at least saying, listen here's a different here's a different perspective that you may not get from Hannity you may not get from Limbaugh you may not get from these other conservative outlets mm-hmm. so we i mean we're not naive you know we know the 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 mountain that we have to climb but somebody's got to do it you know and that's that's why we're Committed to doing this because we believe that somebody has to get out there and and speak the truth um, and 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 tell these and give these people a different perspective on what they may be believing and not just conservatives. Democrats stuck in their ways too. If we mm-hmm. can be real about it, mm-hmm. you know, we we have some some ideas that ain't right, you know. But I think if we are are open to other people's reality. Or if we allow ourselves to be open to some idea, some different perspective, I think the world could be, be made a better place. Or at least, you know, we can start planting those seeds. It may not be me, mm-hmm. but the next person, and the next person, and the next person. If we keep chiseling away, we'll get there, and that's how I'm. I'm thinking 20 years down the line. Sure. So I mean, I'm a young man. You know, I just turned old enough to run for president. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we we're talking about the average age of uh, of people that hold office in Congress are 20 years older than me yeah. or more. So uh, I got a long time. You know, I'm starting this now, but I, you know, I'm not.
0: I did the math in my head. You said you're a 99 graduate of a strum, which means you were born in 81, mm-hmm. uh, which makes you 38 years old. Yes. Okay. You're 20 years behind me. I'm 58. You're 38. What has been your experience uh, with the distinctives, the contrast between the average voter that's my age in Louisiana versus the average voter that's your age or the generation that's coming behind you. Uh, because you're 38, there, there are 18-year-olds out there now who are, who are capable of voting. If, if, if I were to ask you to draw distinctions between 58-year-old voters, 38-year-old voters, 18-year-old voters, what would those distinctions be?
1: One word, flexibility. So I think I uh access to information uh access to knowledge so i think the internet came out around the early 90s Mm -hmm. you know um and that was something unheard of to have all this information which could be a bad thing too there's a drawback to to access to too much information but Mm uh before that it was unheard of to have uh access to all the world's knowledge on your computer you know so i think from that the world's a lot smaller and people become more flexible in their thinking. Um, there's a very conservative uh, line, I think, of, of Democrats from the you know the much older. and I think as dem- as the generations begin to uh, trickle down, mm-hmm. I think Democrats are much more uh, I guess liberal is the, is the better word, for lack of better words that I can use, uh, They much more flexible in their thinking, much more leaning towards things that probably would have been taboo to talk about from an older, you know, um, for, I'm going to give you an example. Okay. So uh, gay marriage, okay. for example. Even older, a lot of older Democrats reject this notion, mm-hmm. uh, which on the Democratic side of the spectrum would be a, 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 a Uh, ideological norm Mm -hmm. but older democrats would would cringe at the idea of of something like that Mm -hmm. you know so i think that 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 flexibility um but i also think that there's a a a gap in communication Mm -hmm. um i've heard this phrase tossed around uh, i don't know if you heard it okay boomer uh, have you heard that? No. Oh, you've never heard okay no. boomer? Okay. Uh, so so uh, my understanding of it is it's a it's a generational response to older people telling younger people what what they're doing wrong or what they sh- how they should correct their behavior okay. or you know it's it's uh it's a principle punch up to the the older generation saying look you had your opportunity you gave us this let us fix it you okay. know type of thing okay. so uh yeah i think there's a generational divide in the communication so uh the the, the millennial generation which i'm an older millennial you know i'm mm. at the tail end and i'm in that stuck generation but there's a a, a communicational divide between the younger millennials I mean, the older millennials and the Gen Zers, the 18-year-olds that are coming out and going Mm -hmm. to vote. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it it almost becomes a rejection of what older Democrats think is – should be the direction of the party or should be the direction of our ideolo- ideology or mm-hmm. whatever the case may be. And mm-hmm. so they respond. So you tell them something, they respond, okay, boomer, because Got to you. them, it's a rejection of your generation's ideas of what is right and what's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, you get you handed us this this where we are. Like I said, the average age of our elected officials is in 50, 55 and older. So... You did this, you uh-huh. know, and now you're telling me what's what we should be doing. So I reject that, to be honest. But I, I think that um, that's that's the, that's the norm now. You know, most younger people are saying, let us figure it out. We got it from here. Um you sit back and be a mentor. We got it. Let us figure this thing out. And I know each generation had their share. I was about of people. to say every generation. Yeah, has you know had you that. had the hippie generation and whatever. Right. The, this kind of rage against the machine. This this uh, rebellious generation. But right. this one I think is more so because we have so much access to information at the speed. I mean, everybody's got a smartphone now. Right. So the the, the access to information isn't waiting for the news to tell you or the paper. It's in your hand in the instant you know, movement starting in an instant. Yeah. So uh I think that's what makes it different.
0: I do accept the 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 fact that uh different generations think differently. Uh from my perspective, people of my generation and older uh tend to be more economically moderate and progressive and socially conservative. Uh so you're you're analogy about gay marriage i think is is spot on uh that 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 there are lines of distinction with regard to social policy issues uh but uh the the, the problem that i see with the younger generation is that they are so black and white about everything Uh, uh, this is right, that is wrong. And older generations have lived long enough, in my opinion, to recognize that... (sighs) It's not in the black or the white. It's in the gray. Uh, My mother used to say, life is not black and white. There are a million shades of gray. And what you have to do is find your gray place where you can be comfortable and and where you feel like you can make the most significant contribution. And so... uh, the frustration that that some in my generation uh, feel towards those who are coming behind us, and pretty soon will be the ones that are sitting in the places of 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 power and service, uh, is that you're so absolute about everything. You know, it, it it's all this or all that, and you don't allow for the fact that, uh, or or some don't allow for the fact that uh, there are other aspects at play in this
1: man I, I just think it's so ironic that you say that because i think that's exactly how the younger generation views your generation <laughs> the same way you you just we you, we just hold up a mirror and say see this is you this is what you look like to us mm-hmm. absolute mm-hmm. it must be this or mm-hmm. or it cannot be that mm-hmm. and um i think that's where you get the rebellion that's where you get the rejection of of these ideas because like you said, there are, there's a lot of gray there. But I think the younger generation, especially those that are going into the political spectrum, are saying, you know, you had your chance. But what's happening also is, too, again, the average age, 55 and older, you have a lot of people in your generation that won't move on. Mm-hmm. They won't say, okay, I, I had my chance. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like they want to hold on to it for as long as they can. And here, here comes these young people saying, all right you know it's time to it's time to let those reins go and 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 be a mentor or try to but i think i think what happens is that that people are afraid that They'll become just relics of the past and mm-hmm. uh, you know, they won't be they won't have the the relevancy that they once had mm-hmm. So they try to hold on to that or maybe even they've learned over time What mistakes they made and now they're here trying to do the right thing But you know young people saying you had your chance you should have did it, you know, and we know we now have more knowledge We've been watching you mm-hmm. We've been watching your mistakes and we've mm-hmm. been watching the things that we would do differently from you So uh, I, I see that as a parent Um i think grandparents are much better parents than they are parents you know they're much better grandparents than they are as a parent mm-hmm. you know? because they it's trial and error they've had a chance to so i for me uh i, I see it like you know watching my parents and you know I, my parents were, were perfect they weren't uh but i i, I learned from them and i right. say you know what I, I see the things that i take from you and then i see the things that i want to do differently right. so I think that's what's happening with this generation too, especially politically. Mm-hmm. Um, the 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 demand, the the, the evolution in politics now, or young people are stepping in and saying, "We saw what you did. We like some of it, mm-hmm. but here's what we want to change." Mm-hmm. And there's some people so, so with a death grip on holding things to the way that they, they what they think is right. Mm-hmm. They have this death grip on tradition. This is how it should be, mm-hmm. and we're saying, "No, no." This is how we want it to be, mm-hmm. and I think that's where you get this this sort of clash. You know, you get this 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 headbutting because, you know, the times of t- we're evolving as a society. We should be. Uh, we're 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 evolving politically. We're evolving socially. Our, our minds are expanding to things that we probably didn't accept in the '60s and '70s. Um, so. We got to move with that, you know, and I think that's why young people are going like myself are going into politics because we want to affect change in that, too.
0: With regard to other aspects of of society, of culture, uh, church, let's talk about the black church and and uh, the attitude of young people toward the traditional black church uh you were raised as a christian uh you were raised uh to believe in uh worship and and uh, a certain uh <laughs> theological perspective i find that a lot of younger people are pursuing their own spiritual path and uh... as part of that they're leaving the traditional church Behind, what's been your experience with regard to
1: that? Oh, oh I 100% agree. Uh, I've never seen an exodus from the evangelical church like I see now, and I think part of it is 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 because of of, of their embrace of Donald Trump. But I also think a part of it is just a, a doctrinal rejection. So uh, I was raised in a non-denominational church with Pentecostal traditions. So I'm talking. Uh, Uh, speaking in tongues fire baptized full of the Holy Ghost you know uh, that tradition and uh, um, I think a lot of it has has um, molded me into the person I am but I I would be uh, remiss if I say if I didn't acknowledge the hypocrisy I've witnessed too Uh, and I think young people are much more keen on on those types of things. Yes, there are some great things and of course I encourage anybody, man, find you a church that that you can you can be a part of and mm-hmm. get there because if you come in there looking for perfection, you're in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But I think if well, like you said, I I don't think there are any absolutes. So I I think what what young people are saying is accept that you know, um, you you want me to accept this tradition as being all truth. And you can't say that and then in the same breath say there are no absolutes. There mm-hmm. are some grace. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why young people are saying, well, I'm going to find my own spiritual path. And if it leads me back here, mm-hmm. then great. But if not, then that's great because I have to find what's truth to me. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and, and I'm about that life, too. I, I think that... Um, People have to find their truth. You know, um, my, my middle school teacher used to say, God God is a gentleman. He'll never force himself on anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think people have to find, they have to find that truth. It may lead them back to the, to the traditional black church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that there are some things that that could be better. Uh, you know, um, particularly the embrace of young people. Mm-hmm. Um uh, how you treat people when they come in whether mm-hmm. they feel welcome um, if they feel judged which you know I, it, it's just it's just evolving it's evolving with the time no I don't think you should compromise your your ideas mm-hmm. you know I don't think you have to you have to bend and flex and twist your ideas to fit what someone wants you to be because mm-hmm. truth is truth. but I, I, I do think that there are there are some areas that you can be far more lenient And, 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 you know, for example, um, how people dress. I'm just using this as a wild example. So how people come, you know, there once was an expectation you wore a shirt and tie and suit to church. Right. You know, um, but times are changing. You know, people come in T-shirt and jeans, you know. uh, And if they're there to get the truth, then let them be there to get the truth. You know, uh, and okay. Let, let, let's pursue
0: that. S- okay. s- since you brought that one up as as the example, um, no one here at Shiloh has ever said that you have to wear a coat and a tie uh, to, to to worship. Uh, people of a certain age simply do that because that's part of their tradition. Uh, they, 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 wear a coat and a tie and, 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 uh, they put on their Sunday best. in fact, that's why it's called their Sunday best. No, nobody ever said that we're going to stop you at the door. If you come in a t-shirt and blue jeans, not offs that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole other yeah. issue. But, but, uh. I find that, that using using that as the example, I find that it's the young people who are more judgmental of older people than older people that are more judgmental of younger people. Younger people who walk into a church where people of a certain age are wearing coats and ties come to the conclusion, this is a stuffy place. Look at how they're dressed. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't i 'm being true to my tradition just as you want to be true to to your tradition, and I think that that communication could be far 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 more helpful in those regards uh, to to help us to recognize you know i 'm not putting you down because you're wearing a t-shirt and blue jeans. Uh, why should you put me down because I wear a coat and a tie? see i don 't think any young people are thinking that
1: <clears throat> i don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, I think when uh, young people walk in a church, they expect to see it. I think they would be mind blown if they walked in and saw older people dressed like them. Okay. So I think they expect it. But I, I, I do think that they also feel judged, too. Like, I I think, see, again, it's just it's us mm-hmm. saying, look, this is you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I also think that they, they feel uh they feel judged. Um, I think when they walk in and they're not like that, you know, the side eye, like, why are you coming in dressed with this? You know, you got on, something look like you go to school or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, the communication is important. Mm-hmm. I think it is relaying that, hey, man, this is an open, you know, this is an open door. Look, we, you, we want you to come and be comfortable um, because at the end of the day, if you're in here, hopefully you're going to walk away with something mm-hmm. that we wanted you to walk away with. Mm-hmm. So your being here is more important than you're wearing a suit and tie. Mm-hmm. And I think communicating that is extremely important and that clears all minds. You know, you don't have me looking at you sideways and you ain't looking at me sideways. So if Mm -hmm. you want to wear your certain tie, wear it. If you want to come in here and and, in your basketball jersey and some jeans, wear that. Whatever you feel comfortable
0: in coming in, you know, be decent. Don't come in here looking. From time to time, somebody will come to me and say, Reverend, we need to have a come as you are Sunday. And my response has always been every Sunday's come as you are. (laughs) Ain't nobody ever said you got to come a certain kind of way. Every Sunday to me, but is, have they said it, you is don't come as you are? Yeah, but have they
1: have they communicated that you don't have to come dressed a certain way? Sure. Oh well, well then whatever you know just, to reach their so, own. So so so
0: so for me the 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 issue is communication. Yeah. Uh, uh, one generation, ra- rather than operating on a base of presumptions. Uh, maybe we just need to sit down and and talk to one another. I find that that uh, and and of course church is my life, so I, I, I think more in terms of of church as a community partner uh, than than perhaps other entities. Uh, I find the churches are far more cultural than they are theological. You know, no no nobody is going to have. Uh, that's just the coffee pot. Uh, oh, yeah. n- n- nobody is going to stay at a church too long that, that spouts pure theology because theology is boring. Take it from me. <laughs> It's more. Churches are about culture. Yeah. And, and churches are about homogeneity. People want to go to a place where they feel comfortable. When, when, when people look for a church, if, if, if you move into a new community or if you move into a, a, a new state and you're looking for a church, uh, I don't care how much money you spend on promotion, I don't care how much you put in television and radio and all this other kind of stuff. At the end of the day, they're going to say, Antoine, where do you go to church? And if I like Antoine, then I'm going to go to the church that Antoine goes to. Mm-hmm. If it, or I'll say, Antoine, I've been thinking about going to Shiloh. What do you think about that? And, and if Antoine says, I don't know about going over there, yeah, then they're going to stay away. Not based on anything having to do with, with theology, but based upon someone else's opinion that they respect. So for me, the challenge of of the traditional church, which Shiloh is, the challenge of of the traditional church is communicating to people of succeeding generations that you are as welcome, your ideas are as welcome here as anybody else's. But, and there is a huge but behind that, uh, we have a certain personality. And we're not going to deviate but so much from that personality, because there's more involved in church life than just you. Yeah. There, there, there were people who came before you who are still here, and 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 we have to be as respectful of of those people as we are of your generation. So communication to me is is the issue, but I find that, uh, uh, and, and this is why I wanted to get your opinion. Uh, I find that uh, church life for African American young people has shifted tremendously. Uh, some are going to uh, white-led churches, Pentecostal churches, which I have tremendous problems with some 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 are going to churches that are non-denominational or interdenominational uh, where the focus seems to be more on uh, uh, again homogeneity and a certain worship style uh, that has less to do with liturgy and more to do with feelings of comfort and and what have you and traditional churches are searching for ways to remain relevant in the lives of these young people, because we get know, <laughs> and we getting on out of here, and somebody else is going to be coming in to take our place so so. <sighs> It, it, it's a constant tension, and I'm, I'm asking you that not because I I think you're an expert in church, but because oh, yeah. you are an African-American uh, male of a certain generation who puts himself out into the community, who works with community people, and I'm sure that at some point, church comes up. You can't be black and church doesn't come up sometimes. Well, let me tell you, I I feel like I'm an expert in church.
1: Uh, I I don't know how many years of of church you have to have or or how much uh, theological study you have to have to be an expert uh, in in church. But I think I am. Uh, And the the only thing I can't do is speak for most people. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I can't. I I think, again, it it comes down to flexibility and evolution. Mm -hmm. Um, Same in politics and anything. Um, The you you can evolve mm-hmm. you know you don't have to move away from these deeply held traditional ideas, mm-hmm. but you can evolve to be what I would consider to be more inclusive of other ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, some things you may not be able to implement. they mm-hmm. might be too far out there and look, mm-hmm. look man thank you for your you know, but this might not be the place for you mm-hmm. um, but I do think you can. You can evolve. You can be inclusive of 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 other people, and I think people have to see that evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't just be lip service. I think uh, what I see young people, when I talk to young people like myself and younger, um, they they're more drawn to churches where uh, it it feels more like where they would go and hang out. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. uh, and they're they're hearing from young people too. Um, most of them, if there is a a, 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 a older generation, that's the pastor. They have a youth ministry. Um, They have people, uh, and they are also involved in the the main part of it, too. The young people are involved in the the main portion of the service. Um, There are talkbacks like this, Mm -hmm. um, where the leader comes dressed like you are and say mm-hmm. hey let's just talk right you know this ain't a service day we're just gonna talk and i want to hear from you w- w- give me some ideas let's liven this place up yeah. you know and you'll be surprised i mean <laughs> you'll be surprised because a lot of times young people are sitting on this stuff and not to say that they're intimidated to tell you but they just feel like you, it won't go anywhere right Uh, They have great ideas and things that you could do that don't cost anything. It's just about evolving as, you know, hearing their ideas sometimes is is a welcome response. Mm -hmm. Say, look, I just want to hear from you. You know, this ain't a service. We're going to pray later. I just want to hear. Let let me hear what you got to say about X, Y, and Z. Um, We're not rejecting your generation because somebody going to stand here. One of y'all going to take my spot. Absolutely. So I want to make sure that your head is on right, that you, that you we're in al- alignment with your ideas mm-hmm. and that we start to implement those things so that transition will be smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a culture shock. It's some young strapping young pastor to take over and all the old people what is what's going on you know yeah. so it, it, that, that transition is smooth and and people have already gotten used to this by the time and then that that change will start again and then you know but um you you start that pattern you know you say well we're gonna start I'm gonna start it with me mm-hmm. Um. Yes, we, we're a church with tradition, but we can evolve. Mm-hmm. We can be flexible in our ideas enough to hear from young people and try and implement as much as we can to make you feel like we're hearing you right. and, we're, and we want you to be comfortable here. So I think that stuff just translates anywhere, yeah. anywhere. And that's why our, our campaign has grown the way it has. Um, that's why we're as popular as we are. Um, and we, we travel all across the state talking to people because we're listening. And um, that's what we did for—I'm going to say we went on listening parties for two years. Mm-hmm. For two years, we traveled from from Shreveport to the, to the Gulf listening. Where I didn't even tell people my name. Right. I just went and sat in their meetings. I would look on, on social media. I would see this Democratic group or this conservative group is holding a meeting. And I would just go sit in the back.
0: Go Go and show up.
1: Yeah, that's it. And, yeah. oh, okay, you know, I'm listening mm-hmm. <clears throat> because now— I can I can implement a more well-rounded campaign. I know what conservatives want, and I I am I, an incessant fox watcher. I I I can I listen to you were Limbaugh. doing fine to you told me. <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna tell you why. Um, I listen to 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 uh, Limbaugh. hmm Um. There's probably not a conservative outlet that I don't read mm-hmm. because it's important to know what the enemy thinks, too. I agree. Um,
0: I used to do all of that when I was your age. <laughs> there they reached a, 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 a there was a point that I reached where I, 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 I just couldn't listen to it anymore. Yeah. I remember when Rush Limbaugh came on the air distinctly. It was 1987. Uh, I was pastoring down in New Orleans in my first pastorate, and he replaced a radio guy, national radio guy, named Owen Spann. And Owen Spann was as generic as anyone could possibly be. And so when when Friday ended and Owen Spann's radio program ended and Monday morning came and what you heard was Rush Limbaugh on WWL radio in New Orleans, it was a complete completely shocking thing uh and i listened to limbo i would I, I would be driving in the streets and ruins, throwing stuff at my radio and <laughs> cussing and doing all that kind of stuff and i listened for years uh probably 10 maybe maybe longer than that but at some point you realize huge j- it For Rush Limbaugh, much of that stuff is shtick. Yeah. Oh yeah. He doesn't believe most of the stuff. No, no. He doesn't have to. (laughs) But he has generated an audience of people that are devoted to him. They will lie down in the road and have tanks run over them if Rush Limbaugh told them to do so. Uh, And 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 that kind of blind loyalty to Idiotic rhetoric to simplistic rhetoric is frightening to me, and 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 it's one of the things that I I uh, push back against with regard to politics, uh, not just in this nation. You know, I'm I'm not big on national politics. I'm I'm more a local guy, but the same things that are happening nationally are happening happening locally. Uh, this city is run by conservative people who are not. Brilliant! They just got money. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, 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 these are not uh, rocket uh, scientists. Uh, these are not yeah. rocket scientists. <laughs> the, 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 these these are good old boys, and with, and with big, with big who got a whole lot of money. Yeah, and they're making the decisions for the rest of this community that we have to live with, not based upon elite ideas, but based upon the fact that I can afford it. And, and, and Eddie Responey ran for governor on no other platform than I agree with Donald Trump. Agreed. He didn't have an idea, didn't have, didn't have a clue as to what was going on in this state. All he could say is I agree with Donald Trump, and, and he came what? within forty thousand votes of winning. That's right. Simply because he agreed with Donald Trump, that's frightening to me. Let me ask
1: you this: Do you think that there are people? Who have no idea what the Metro Council does? Yes. Do you think they're in the majority?
0: I don't know whether or not they're in the majority. But I, I, but, I think but, they but, are. But, but I think that there's a large group of people who don't know what the Metro Council does. They don't read the newspaper. They don't listen to the Metro Council meetings. And what they get is third-hand information, did you hear?
1: Do you think that the majority of people know what state reps do? No. I agree. So that's what we're doing. Uh, we're getting out there and telling people what these people do. Right. Uh, most people, like yourself, you know, don't follow national politics. They don't have time. Most people are worried about their nine to fives. Mm-hmm. They're worried about how they're going to put food, literally put food on their tables. I got to go to work today. I don't have time to sit around and watch the the, court, the uh, congressional proceedings. I can't watch these hearings. I can't. You know, I'm going to get third hand, fourth hand. My mom and them who's sitting at home listening to the radio conversations about this. Not facts. So what we're doing is on a crusade. To bring the truth, because mm-hmm. most people don't know uh, I do this all the time. I encourage you to do it. I do this every time I go and speak to a church because i've been invited to I, I call it the Black church tour, you mm-hmm. know all all people that run for office do it i um uh, it's, true. <laughs> it's the, true the difference is you see me three or four years in advance yeah. i'm going to come see in your audience, and you won 't know I'm there, because yeah. I don 't need that you know, but at the end of the day, I want to hear what you're teaching too, right. but um try it. Uh, Sunday, extra church service. How many of you know who our eight congressional members are? By show of hands, can name them. I guarantee you, you might get one or two mm-hmm. out of your whole congregation. Can mm-hmm. name all eight. Mm-hmm. But every one of these people, uh, we got—we have six sitting congressmen and two senators. Every one of them that we—we have one Democrat, one black Democrat in Congress. Yeah. Every one of those other guys are making terrible decisions for your congregation. Yes. And if you don't know their names, how can you know what they're doing? Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, okay, let's take it. How many of you know what district you live in? Mm-hmm. You might not get any hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, how many of you know who your state rep is? Mm-hmm. Who is who's if you live here in East Babridge Parish, who's your metro council person mm-hmm. what district you live in and the, and the, believe it or not, the closer you get to the bottom, the fewer and you would think, well, these are local people, how come right but if you don't know who these people are, you've never spoken to them mm-hmm. how do you know how they're impacting your community mm-hmm. and a lot of people live out in the communities of people who are obstructionists on the Metro Council. They don't even know it right. because they're not following that. Right. So that's why I say I think every church, especially, more especially the black church, because we are at the greatest disparity. We have the we have the, the, the highest mountain to climb when it comes to e- equality and mm-hmm. equity in, in society. Mm-hmm. Everyone should have a leg of, of, of policy. Every one of them should have someone... One day out of the month, when, whenever, a quarter, once a quarter, whenever, talking about civic engagement, mm-hmm. talking about the, the the things that are going to particularly affect the church, because mm-hmm. there are a lot of changes in policy that are made that might strip away your 501c3, mm-hmm. you know, that may, you know, force you into politics or whatever the case may be. So, you know, and this is not far fetched. This is something that's actually down, coming down the Shado. pike. That's right. Um, so, This type of stuff is extremely important. And you you probably have political scholars sitting in your church. I do. So, but you you, you might, the vast majority of people don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So I think this is extremely, and this is why we're doing what we're doing. Like I said, this campaign, we're not naive. The, Mm -hmm. The people that are working with us, we know what the obstacles are, but... Our crusade has always been about education. It's Mm -hmm. always been been about using every single resource we have to bring the knowledge to the people. Mm -hmm. So even if I don't win or the person behind me doesn't win, people will become more politically active. We host a civic engagement course once a quarter. We do it for free. We don't charge anybody. And all we do, we don't talk about partisan politics. All we do is educate people about what each position does. We Mm -hmm. don't tell you to be Democrat or Republican. I don't care. Mm -hmm. What I care about is you knowing what your Metro Council person does, what your state rep does, what what your um, what the assessor does, you know, what the judges, what their responsibilities are, mm-hmm. what the con- who these Congress members are and the decisions that they've made thus far and mm-hmm. what they do. That's all we talk about. And you'll be surprised when people show up because we hold them at the library. People show up. that don't have a clue don't know anything about politics of previously being un- uninterested. Mm-hmm. But they walk out of there and they become more engaged than I am. You mm-hmm. know, you you see them on social media talking about this news and sharing this news article. And did you know this? And I say, whoa, you know, this person came from not knowing anything. It's to me, it's like a um, it's like a new Christian. Mm-hmm. You know, when you when you get that when you first get saved, boom, you out like a rocket. Right. You out there telling everybody the good news. Right. So, but but you, you, you make disciples out of those people because they, they, they learn what they learn, and then they go out and they share it. Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm not making disciples, but I'm just educating people about politics, and they go out, and they share, and they get people in their circles involved, and it just spreads. So that's what we've been doing over the past few years.
0: As you have crisscrossed the state of Louisiana, um, I find that Louisiana uh, is different uh, depending upon what area of the state you're in. New Orleans is very different from Baton Rouge. Baton Rouge is very different from Alexandria. Alexandria is very different from Shreveport. Uh, Lake Charles and Lafayette are very different from other aspects of the state. What, What has been your experience with regard to receptivity to your uh, candidacy, uh, which area of the state seems to be most receptive to uh, what it is that you're trying to do?
1: Uh you know, it, it's funny that the, a Shreveport Democrat mm. is not a New Orleans Democrat. They're different. The culture is different. Mm-hmm. The ideology is different. Mm-hmm. But what we have done is made sure we understand first before we go what the problems are. So we speak directly to that wherever we go. Um, now, there are some what I consider to be universalities. Of course, you know, New Orleans is much more progressive and our campaign. is much more pro- progressive than a traditional campaign, mm-hmm. traditional democratic campaign. Um, so, of course... South Louisiana, the reception that we get here is is high because you know, but I what I found is that we talk we speak to the same issues everywhere, um, some of the same issues everywhere. Now, there might be nuances, and we try our best. Again, we started years ago just listening. Right, It wasn't about we just sat in those rooms, and we wanted to hear what these groups were talking about, what matters to the women's groups, what matters to um, the, 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 the the deep democratic groups, the, the moderate groups. Mm-hmm. We just listen. So when we go back to these places, we're speaking directly to their issues. Mm-hmm. We're talking about if they, if they have an issue, uh, for example, we went to Cutoff, Louisiana. Most people don't even know what that is. They didn't know that was a cutoff. We went there, and the guy was telling me he, he was uh, working with the Port Authority. He was talking about the people that were losing their jobs because of offshore drilling. So these types of things, we go there and we listen. So we come back. We come back with a plan to mm-hmm. address their issue. This is what our campaign wants to do specifically about this in Shreveport, or this in Alexandria, or whatever the case may be. So you know, some parts, uh, some places have public hospitals that are closing, charity hospitals that are closing because the state uh, isn't, you know, isn't funneling any money, or the federal government isn't providing uh, grants and opportunities to Thank keep you, those out. Thank Governor other... Jindal. Yeah, <laughs> right. So we go there. Boom. This is what. What we want to do. You have mm-hmm. schools that are closing. We want to push for Title IV funding to, to put it particularly in minority communities where where, you know, the charter programs are taking over, whatever. So we go we go and talk to everybody, but we talk to them about their issues. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't just wake up last night and decide that this is something we want to do. Right. This is years in the making right. uh, uh, of. of you know, and I think that's what has really uh, built our popularity is because we're not just showing up and asking you for something. We've been here, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's that's what we do. So of course our reception is much more, uh, uh, it's higher in South Louisiana because it's the, I think the deeper you go south, the more progressive our state gets mm-hmm. um, on the Democratic end, but. There are pockets of progressives everywhere, and um, I think there are some universalities in what Democrats want in general. Uh, of course, there are nuanced differences because very conservative Democrats might be uh, pro-life, for example. Mm-hmm. But they, but all the other issues, you know, are, are very relevant to them. Right. So, uh, but we, you know, we we work it.
0: We make it work. So. Well, I, I was just curious uh, what your experience has been with regard to. Uh, Different mindsets depending upon geography within the state, uh, and and I find that that you can't say that Louisiana is one thing.
1: No, it's not a It just live, depends no.
0: upon what part of the state that uh, you you are you are from. Getting away from from politics for a second, your father. What, what what's your experience like as as a dad? Um, it's a learning experience
1: it's a learning experience um i I tell all my friends i I talk to my friends who have kids too and i say you know my parents didn't have a manual you know they learned as they went Mm -hmm. now they happen to have seven of us Mm -hmm. but uh they learned too on the curb you know and i I think that's what i'm doing I'm, i'm learning i but i I wouldn't trade it for the world, you know. I, I I have learned a lot about myself too, about my level of patience and about my open-mindedness, my flexibility, mm-hmm. you know, my my ability to evolve as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think when I start, I, you know, my son uh, he'll be sixteen in March. Okay. So when I when I I had him fairly young in my early twenties, so who I was in my twenties and who I am now, of course, is significantly different. You know, my life experiences have shaped me, but I I think I'm young enough to have an open mind about what he's experiencing and try to uh, do the best I can to uh, understand it, but at the same time keep him on the right path. Because let's be honest, I mean, he's a young black man, a a young man who happens to be black who's growing up in this in this era in this society in this in this in, the, environment. in, this, in, this, in this environment so um, the conversations that we have to have are much different probably from his white counterparts who are his same age and mm-hmm. the parents the, the, the conversations that their parents are having with him mm-hmm. and I understand that so I have to keep myself abreast of what's going on and evolve so that I can mold him to stay on this. On the on the path that I think is right for him and also understand and accept that he's making his choices too right you know um and the older he gets the closer he gets to adulthood the more I have to say okay you know uh you know <laughs> uh, you know I, I have to sort of um let my grips up yeah still molding you know guiding him but I feel like it's, 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 it's like in my mind, I just see teaching him how to ride a bike. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's you, you, you hold the handlebars in the seat, then you go to the seat, then you go to the, you know, so it's like it's just it's this constant like I, I want to let you ride on your own, right. but I have to be sure that you can you can hold your own balance, that you have balance. Uh, and that's a great analogy. But I, I think that's what it is for me. It's, it's I'm going to let you go. But I'm going to hold on to this seat for a little mm-hmm. while until I see that you can make the right decisions on when you get out there. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure you have on your helmet and your pads and all that. So that's what it is for me as a parent. It's a constant evolution. It's a constant understanding that I don't have all the answers either, but I have enough to, to guide you to so where you, you know, I can't control you. I can't be with you all the time, but I can educate you and make sure that you have enough knowledge to ride that bike by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I can trust you riding that bike by yourself. You're going to do the right thing, you know, that, that type of stuff. So that it's, it's a learning experience, to say the least.
0: You made the choice to plant your flag in Baton Rouge. You, you're a native, born here, live here. You're raising a son here. Do you want your son to plant his flag in Baton Rouge? And and I know I ask this question of of all my guests, and typically they say, well, I want them to go wherever they can be happy. I understand that. I'm not suggesting that you would do anything to prohibit him from doing that. I'm saying would you be pleased knowing Baton Rouge as you do, involved in Baton Rouge politics and civic affairs as you are, Would you be pleased if your son chose to live in Baton Rouge?
1: Uh, I say yes and no. Um, I say yes because I'm aware what opportunities are there. Um, And uh, you know, that we have a flagship university where I graduated. Um, I I, I say yes because I, I know the people here I know he would have a strong base here, Mm -hmm. um, a a big family here to support. But I say no because I think uh, the evolution is slow. It's slow. Um, Sometimes, uh, you know, I guess it just makes you angry how slow it is. Um, Too slow. Um, You know, uh, the people that are making the decisions here have not evolved mm-hmm. and they just replace themselves with a replica mm-hmm. and my fear for him is that it's not evolving fast enough and and I don't want him to become a statistic or to end up in an environment where he can't flourish uh, because of the the rules and because the things are, are not evolving fast enough for him. So yeah, I say yes because I know what opportunities are there for him. if. If he goes out there and gets, but I also know what obstacles are in his way. So I say no to that. Mm-hmm. I know what obstacles to those opportunities exist, too. Mm-hmm. So I would love for him to go, of course, wherever he wants, but I, I would love for him to go in a place where he could get more than I got. He can flourish at a, at a better pace at uh, with less obstacles than I or people in, in generations before me have had to endure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want him to have to take on that fight. Leave that fight to somebody who wants to do that. Mm-hmm. I think someone should, like myself or whoever that wants to take on that fight. But I want him... Uh, I want him to reap the benefits of the fight that I'm making and I don't see it happening right now. It's an evolution. It's a slow grind. Mm -hmm. And it might not be my generation. Mm -hmm. It might be the ones to come after me, but I don't want him to have to wait that long. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's pros and cons. Pros and cons.
0: I think that's a very thoughtful, intelligent answer. I thank you for taking the time to come and share with us today on the Thrive podcast. I wish you much success in your candidacy for the United States Senate. Thank you for viewing. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again next time.